friends and colleagues, Cameron Scott and Megan Limp. Cameron, hello. I'm so glad to have you here again. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning, Megan. It's morning in my world, just outside of Boston. Yeah. Hi, Megan. Good to have you here. Hey, Lauren and Cameron. It's always really a joy and pleasure to meet and discuss some fun autonomic journeying. Great. Well, we're here with How We Heal. And this is when we come together and bring Asian medicine, gemotherapy, and polyvagal theory together to help carve a path to healing. And we each have an expertise in one of those areas and we play with ideas in order to give you some practical resources on your own journey. So today I, I want to pick back up where we were and we left off with the last episode talking about something that's near and dear to me and that's dropping that story. But to drop the story, we need to follow something and, and we're gonna be following states. So I think the question that comes up for me is how do we follow states and, and how do we recognize those states? Can you help me clarify that question a little bit? Cameron, how would you tweak that? Yeah, I, most of us have had our autonomic nervous systems working on our behalf all of our lives, 24 seven. But you know, what's going on? What is the state? Because often we aren't aware, we haven't learned how to recognize states and specifically how to work to have influence on our autonomic states. How can we have a conversation and befriend our autonomic nervous systems if we don't even know how to recognize them yet? So, and, sorry, Cameron, so I have no worries. Um, Deb Dana did a beautiful job trying to introduce, taking the clinical applications of Steve Porges' life work, developing and researching polyvagal theory. And she says there are three keys to our autonomic nervous system. And, and the first is hierarchy, that's hierarchy, states, neuroception, and co-regulation. And the reason for that, oh, we have a um, clinical consultant. This is um, Katie, <laughs> for, for those of us that are attending visually, she is the alpha in the house and clearly something needs to be addressed. And my state changes <laughs> when my cat walks in, I'm like, okay, is this gonna be friendly? Are, are you gonna start knocking things? Or, or am I gonna just totally have to go, oh my heaven, something's gone very wrong here. So that's a bit of a language. Um, but the hierarchy means our states add up. But again, what is the state? And how do, how do we begin to get curious about these states? And there's sympathetic, your dorsal vagal down the bottom and, and Deb put the middle of all on a ladder. And the construct of the ladder really simplifies um, looking at states. Because at the top of our ladder, consistent with our wonderful evolution as mammals is our most sophisticated brain, our ventral vagal, a sense of profound safety, perspective, curiosity, you know, anything and everything at every level is possible in ventral vagal. But if our system neurocepts, so getting information from our bodies or our environment or 
another autonomic system start to take us into an adaptive survival response, that's when our states shift. And so ventral vagal is when everything's great, when everything's possible, when everything's working, biologically, psychologically, spiritually. But when we start to descend on that ladder, and the first day we're gonna be meeting is sympathetic. Sympathetic mm -hmm. corresponds with that flight or fight aspect of us. So how might we recognize sympathetic? It's also known as mobilization. It's energy and it is, we can feel it in our bodies and it corresponds with the part of our body sort of between our chin and below our diaphragm and all the organs that are in that heart rate, breath, breath, ease of breath, constriction of breath, um, pulse, just that mobilized energy. And you can hear when I speak from a mobilized state, it's like, it's urgent, it's acute, it, it, it's, it's something's, something's not okay, we gotta figure this out, gotta figure this now, gotta go. Those are all those stories, but the energy of a mobilized state often helps us really recognize I'm in it. This is quite a day, ventral vagal. This is quite a day. This is quite a day. The story is exactly the same. The state isn't. So I invite all of us, which is what I have done since I've met polyvagal theory, that if something is feeling like it's shifted, start to, to lean into what they call neuroception and what, what sensations, what feelings, what, what something at that okay with a lot of energy, that's gonna tell us that we've got some mobilization going on. We've got some, some pull for whatever reason is going on and we wanna be curious about it. We wanna meet that experience. And the moment that we become a little bit curious, so we notice, we name, it's like, ooh, I'm getting a little mobilized here. The reason we step aside from the story is we want that chance to be curious. And the moment we notice and name a state, ooh, mobilized, getting a little mobilized here, I then have the possibility of allowing that ventral vagal perspective to come back in the midst of, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know why I'm not feeling a little mobilized here. I'm in it. What we want to do is find out about it, but that takes that pause, that mindful awareness, oh, I'm, I'm in a state and come back up to enough ventral vagal energy so that we can be further curious. That's where we are starting to become that state tracker. Wow. Megan, what are your thoughts on that? Thanks, Cameron. Cameron, as you were speaking, I was having this um, mental image that came to me. In Asian medicine, we, to talk about the vitality or the life force that we each have, we often use the analogy of a river. I think I've probably used that analogy a few times on this podcast. When we're talking about um, our chi or the vitality, you know, we have the, it's sort of like the movement uh, of a river through us. And we talk about sometimes there are dams in the river or sometimes there's a flood and sometimes there's a drought to sort of describe our states. But as you were talking and I was thinking about how this relates to polyvagal theory, I was really noticing that my state when I'm in ventral I often find the words that I use, I'll say, you know, I really feel like I'm swimming with the current today. Like everything's just kind of in alignment. I feel like I have 
all my wits about me. I can adjust my energy um, and I can sort of be strong and flexible. And that feels like swimming with the current to me. I think some days I also feel like I'm swimming against the current. I think we all know what that feels like. And that to me really um, illustrates what sympathetic feels like to me that um, I haven't given up or I feel like there's a lot to do and I'm putting forth a lot of energy and I'm swimming and I'm swimming, but um, it, it still feels like something is off. I'm not in my flow. Um, often ventral feels like a flow state to me. And dorsal often feels like I've just rolled over onto my back and uh, I'm done swimming. <laughs> um, I don't have the energy for that, nor that internal push. Mm -hmm. Megan, I'm so happy you talked about swimming. <laughs> you know, as, as you were talking about this, I was thinking about my morning river swims. And this is really interesting um, because I've thought about states a lot with my experience with swimming. I swim upriver. I do something very unusual. And I'm not an athlete. I'm not a... Um, marathon swimmer, and I'm not super strong, but it's all about the state of my nervous system mm -hmm. as I'm doing this. And um, it was actually a dear friend who's a coach that pointed this out to me when I started this experience. She said, oh, you're not fighting the river, you're playing with it, mm -hmm. right? And we can't play unless we have a lot of ventral vagal energy present. And it, what I, I can really relate this to is often I have people that meet me down at the river or show up and say, how do you do that? You know, I can't ever get past this point or and like, you know, I just play with the river. And that's very hard for most people to understand, particularly if they're athletes, right? Because athletes often are, are fighting against, they're using that fight or flight, that sympathetic, mobilized energy for their sport. Mm -hmm. And my experience has nothing to do with sympathetic energy. Has ever, Cameron, I'm seeing you nodding because you're a swimmer too. So Megan, you really opened up a whole conversation here that has to do with water and working with that. And, and I think the more we can start seeing these states in, in what we do every day, mm -hmm. like what state are you in when you're cooking? Well, mm -hmm. sometimes we have to be mobilized because we've got hungry kids and we're running late and we're exhausted and we have to mobilize. But sometimes we can be in that real juicy ventral state and, and creating and oh, I might add these spices and I might do this and that. And, and so noticing our state in the things we do every day, I think is very valuable. Cameron, you have taught, taught us something that I come back to again and again, which is when we begin to learn how to track our state, the foundation of that, or if we're feeling lost and confused in it, is just to look at how much energy we have. So typically in sympathetic, we have a fair amount of internal energy that's driving us. So the word drive or uh, motivation 
or the feeling that something must be done. And when we have very low energy and our affect might be lower and we're not feeling motivated to accomplish, and that feels very far away, that's more of a dorsal state. And I think that Lauren, your illustration is so beautiful because I think automatically one might assume that you're in a sympathetic state in order to swim upriver. But that's the beauty of ventral vagal is that only in ventral do you have all your resources and all of your strength, but you can still engage in a playful, um, a playful way. It doesn't feel like a battle. Just think about all the things in life we could apply that to and how much more um, productive, um, how much more we can give to our families, to our careers, when we can remember to, to utilize that ventral vagal energy. I think we're living in a time where all the decision-making, all the what effort out there is coming from a very sympathetic, mobilized place. Mm -hmm. And um, it's very easy to forget that that's a place where we also lose our prefrontal cortex and we're not, we're not creative, we're not in our flow. Yeah, I think uh, often, so sympathetic and dorsal, those adaptive survival responses often feel to me as if in my personal experience, they're characterized or colored by an undertone of separation. So I'm either feeling separated from myself or I'm feeling separated um, from a person I'm interacting with, or I'm feeling somewhat um, off kilter, something doesn't quite feel in alignment. And so I think that that is a beautiful way in juxtaposition to really describe ventral, is that um, we're feeling like a whole being. We're feeling connected to our thoughts and our mind. We're feeling connected to our body. We're feeling connected maybe to the person we're engaging with. And so when we're trying to accomplish something, for example, if we're feeling um, distressed about something um, socially or politically um, or fear, you know, fear in, inside the pandemic, if something's going on, um, and there's a bit of fear, typically inside that fear, there's also some piece of separation, like an us and them. Um, and, and that brings us back into an adaptive survival response, which isn't negative. It just helps us track our state. Yeah. It brings up so beautifully in neuroception, whether there are, whether there's enough safety, which is absolutely part of that wonderful involvement of enough ventral vagal energy and of the neuroception. So that whatever information our system is picking up on and if we're listening in gives enough of that. I can connect, I'm okay. You know, my, my environment, my body's okay. That's, 
that element of safety. And, and people think of, well, I'm either in ventral or I'm not, or I'm in sympathetic, and that must mean an adaptive survival response. But ultimately, the, the highest functioning, which is what our systems want, because it's the most biologically efficient, is having enough ventral vagal, because it becomes that organizing principle where all those you know, eminent characteristics of curiosity and, and you know, all the aspects of a well-running autonomic nervous system, sympathetic is not bad in and of itself because that's where you play with the river. Sympathetic is mobilized energy, but without enough ventral vagal, it becomes that, oh dear, something's wrong, I've got to do something. And the same is true with dorsal vagal. If there's enough ventral vagal and energy guiding the system, then we can quietly descend into quiet states of dorsal vagal, which are truly the rest, the digest. That's when many people find, you know, practices involving meditation or anything that's quiet may even be those moments before we fall asleep. If there's enough safety, if there's enough ventral vagal, where we really start to listen and then notice our systems is when we lose enough ventral vagal and we really are being drawn into one of the adaptive survival responses. Because that's when, as Deb said, the ventral vagal train is leaving the station and I'm not on it. Because <laughs> that's that ventral vagal. I think that um, the experience of ventral before we have um, an embodied relationship with what that feels like can be confusing to talk about. So there are these three states but now we're saying ventral can be in any state. And, and what does all that mean? And for me, I imagine, you know, I, we have already sort of described so beautifully, each of us, that ventral is our highest state of functioning that's unique to mammals. And we can bring that into either of the other two states to transform them when we feel safe to do that. And for me, I almost picture it like a misting. So when something in our autonomic nervous system feels safe enough to do so, this little mister goes on and it sort of allows this ventral to come into the other states and sort of mists dorsal and suddenly shutdown feels more like stillness or it mists sympathetic and suddenly Lauren's not fighting the river, she's um, playing with it and moving with it, even though she's moving upstream. It's such a wonderful description, Megan, of why we want to learn about our states, why we want to begin to notice them, because as they shift, only with that awareness can we invite and have, you know, it may feel like we have been victims of, of life in general, and certainly at the mercy of our autonomic nervous systems and how they keep taking us places that we don't necessarily want to be, and begin to have that befriending through state tracking, through awareness to then have some influence mm -hmm. and invite these state shifts really into a much more of a well-functioning ease. That's where health growth and restoration happens at all levels, but we can actually have that influence. And I think the healing for each of us and as a community comes when we can reach into this middle place where things that might not have been in our awareness, our habits, the way that we respond to ourselves in the world, 
the places where we don't have a lot of awareness about that and we're on autopilot, when we can bring more awareness to those spots and we can start to form new autonomic habits, which really just means new ways of engaging with ourselves and the world and each other. I think that's really where the juice is and where the potential is for our um, quality of life to increase. Sure. You know, I've often brought up this concept that we really can't heal as individuals, as a family, as a community until we feel safe. Yeah. And that always begins with the individual, right? With ourself and with awareness, as you said, Megan, and dropping the story is a life-changing um, process. And we continue to do it. it. We don't just learn about this and say, okay, I'm not gonna follow the story anymore. Um, that Wouldn't that be nice? Right. The story continues to come up. The story comes up instantly. But what's beautiful about having this other tool set is um, I notice when I'm following the story and I have some place to go. When we only have the story and we don't know about our nervous system and the states, there's no other place for us to go. We're trapped in the story. Yeah. And all of our listeners, you all have, all of us have been in a time in our life where we literally can't see past the story. And maybe that was this morning or last night or five years ago, but learning another way makes that available. Yeah, and I think that's part of what we're doing here. I think what's unique about polyvagal theory in my experience is that it acknowledges that we are by nature social beings and that that is a necessity for us to feel safe, not just with ourselves, but also to co-regulate. And so I think that there's a difference. Often we're on a healing journey, but it's, it's a journey of self-help when we're sort of feeling like we're in it alone and we might be tuning into things or reading books or trying to meditate, but there is a piece of feeling safe that comes from co-regulation. And co-regulation is when two autonomic nervous systems engage. And when it leads to regulation, so it's co-regulation, we feel safe in that moment. And sometimes it leads to dysregulation and that's part of life too. Um, but I think that the acknowledgement of that, if you are on a healing journey and it's one primarily categorized by self-help, then um, we're offering each other and you a time to tune in and co-regulate weekly. Because even though we're talking about the autonomic nervous system, really what we're doing here is co-regulating and creating safe space. Okay, good. Lovely. What a beautiful invitation. Um, and I think a beautiful way to close this podcast out today, um, giving you the invitation, each of you as our listeners to come join us, come co-regulate with us, find 30 minutes of safety here to help guide your path. Cameron, thanks for being with us today. Wonderful as always, thank you both. Yeah.
Megan, thank you for all your wisdom. Thank you. We look forward to meeting with you all.